Last week we started a new series called Rooted, and I told you that the series was kind of inspired actually by a, um, a, a wall hanging that was donated to the church. That wall hanging usually lives in the conference room uh, for the series. We've gone ahead and brought it in here and uh, hung it uh, beneath the cross there at the, at the baptistry. Um, but as I looked at the wall hanging, I, it just kind of inspired me to think about uh, what the Bible has to say about trees. And so we're going to take three or four weeks, uh, three or four more weeks, to look at some of the scriptures that talk about trees in the Bible. And that's why we ask uh, uh, Dr. Sparks to leave the, the Vacation Bible School tree where it was. That was really set up for VBS, but our series was going to start the very next Sunday. So we just said, leave the tree there. Uh, and we'll have that through the series most likely. But one of the reasons that the wall hanging uh, caught my attention was not just the, the tree, but the way it's made, it allows you to see that the tree is there because of the roots underneath. And so we've called the series Rooted and uh, created an image from the wall hanging. And I wanted you to make sure and notice the roots at the bottom of that image. Another reason that I like the, the big tree that uh, Dr. Sparks built because it, he included the roots there, at least uh, represented uh, of those. And, and it's, this morning, that's exactly what I want us to look at is, is what it means to be firmly planted and deeply rooted. Because what we find out is that unfortunately, our society has, um, I, 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 I hate to even say it this way because it hurts to say it out loud, but we have cheapened Christianity. We have made it a consumer kind of experience. Christianity in America is, to, to a large degree, very shallow. It is show up on a Sunday and see if you like it. And we treat church an awful lot like we treat a restaurant or a movie. We go to see if, if we like it. We go to see if it's good. And for many people, unfortunately too many of us, that is the extent of, of our faith life. Went to church on Sunday so that counts me as a Christian. We've made it so easy that it's actually cheapened it and it's become very shallow. Now, that's not all of us. Matter of fact, in this room, I don't even think that's most of us. But as you look at Christianity across our culture, there really is too shallow of an experience for the most part. And what happens when a plant has very shallow roots is that that plant is never as strong or healthy and it never produces all that it was intended to produce. In order for the plant to be strong and healthy and do what it was intended to do, it's got to have some deep roots. This morning I want us to think about the root system of our faith. Just how deeply rooted are we? And what does that mean? 
And as I got into it, I really started thinking about some of the disciplines that, that can help those roots to grow deeper. Regular, every, not, even, not even every day, but all the time, prayer. Always in the presence of God, praying and talking to Him. Reading Scripture, memorizing Scripture. Acts of service to others. Uh, we could go on and on, fasting at times. We, there, are all, there are many disciplines. And as I, as I thought about those disciplines that we can do to help those roots grow deeper and stronger, I realized that, that maybe one of the reasons that some of us don't have deeper roots is because there's been a misunderstanding. We remind each other all the time that you are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. You're not saved by works. That is absolutely true. You are saved by faith, by grace, through faith. You can't work enough to earn it. But our mistake is, we forget to say, but once you're saved, you want to do the work necessary to make those roots go deep. I think that's what Scripture's talking about when it tells us to work out your salvation. You don't work to get it, but once you got it, you work to make it deep, to make it real, to make it powerful and strong. And it is those everyday disciplines that help those roots to grow deep. So this morning, with that in mind, I, I want us to kind of think about our image and think about the tree here, and I want us to think together about being firmly planted and deeply rooted. And we're going to start in Psalm 1 as we think about being firmly planted. In Psalm 1, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 1 at verse 1, being firmly planted. By the way, those of you who like to follow along in the event section of the Bible app. You can find us there this morning, and I invite your attention there if, uh, if you use that app. Firmly planted, Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. Now, when it says man, his intent in this is not to describe man versus woman. It's, it's to describe a person. His intent is to say, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seat, sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now think about that for just a minute, because it's interesting how he shows us a progression. A, blessed is the man who is not these things. Later he's going to tell us, what that, what that blessed man is, but now he starts by saying what the blessed man is not. The blessed person is someone who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Notice this person is walking in the counsel of the wicked. To walk is to live. In other words, he is living based on the common everyday advice that he gets from the people around him. And friends, we live in a time when you and I need to be very, very careful because we live in a time where our culture is giving terrible advice. Our society says wrong is right and right is wrong. Our society says up is down and down is up. 
Our society says you better allow anybody to think anything unless you disagree with me and then you're a terrible person. It's a weird mixed up day in which we live. And so he says, blessed. Now that means happy. That does not mean religious. It means happy. Happy is the person. How can a person of God find joy in life? Blessed, happy, joyful is the person who does not live their life according to the advice of those around them, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, watch the progressive. Now, instead of just walking, living everyday life according to advice of those around you, the next phrase, nor stands in the way of sinners. Now, he's, this person's not just walking based on the advice, the, the common everyday advice that we all hear. Now, this person has taken his stand alongside the stand of the sinners. This person's not just living everyday life, but they're actually taking a stand for what's wrong. And he says, the blessed people won't be found in that spot. And then notice the, the, the progression. He was walking, then he was standing now, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. A scoffer is a person who makes fun of other things, and in this case, making fun of God, making fun of the ways of God. And the person who is happy, who is blessed, the person of God who finds joy in life is going to avoid all of those traps in life. We're not going to live our lives based on the worldly wisdom that we hear. And we're not going to take stands right next to the sinners for things that are wrong. And we're not going to sit down and make fun of the things of God. That's not us, and that's not what's going to make us happy. Well, that's helpful to know what we are not and what, what doesn't work. Verse 2, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, in this case, should be understood as, as God's revelation to us. At that time, the law was the only revelation. Now we have not only a fully revealed written word, but we also know the living word, Jesus Christ. God reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we understand more fully who he is. And so it says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. What do you think about most of the time? This says the person of God who is happy, who is joyful, finds his delight in those things that God has revealed to us in his word. See, it's not about ought to it's not read, ought to read, should read, supposed to read. It's about I can't wait to. I delight, this, this, is, this is good stuff and I can't get enough of it. That's the person who's happy. The person who finds joy is the one who can't get enough of the revelation, whether it's written or it's in the relationship that he or she has with Jesus Christ. We can't get enough relating to God. That's the person who finds joy. Blessed is the person 
who doesn't walk according to the worldly advice, doesn't hang out with, with sinners and supporting them, and doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his joy is in how God reveals himself and the law of the Lord and his law he meditates day and night. That person, verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, in all that he does, he prospers. That person, the person who sets aside the worldly expectations and instead can't get enough of finding out how to please God, that person is blessed, therefore happy. And, and his happiness comes in the fact that he's like a tree firmly planted. A tree that is planted, that is stable, that is set. A tree that is in the place God wants that person to be. When we follow God's word, we live in his will. He plants us when and where he wants us to grow and to bear fruit. For a long time at my house, we had a, a wild tree. It was the only tree on my property. And those of you who don't know me well, I have to confess I'm not a tree fan on my property. I want to look at your tree. I want to enjoy your tree. Trees are beautiful. But I don't want one on my yard because I got to mow around it. And I got to rake the leaves. And I got to clean the sap. And it's trees make work. So we didn't have trees that we planted. But there was a wild tree. Right on the edge of my property. Technically it was county property because it was in the ditch. And it was ugly. We ignored it. We didn't do anything to it. When we rebuilt the house, my wife and I negotiated. We came up with an agreement. She got everything she wanted, and I said, okay. Part of that agreement included four trees. They're scattered through the front yard. Now, when we planted those trees, we not only planted the trees, but we set up a sprinkler head by each one that would dribble. That's, apparently, that's the way you're supposed to water them. Just dribble it for a long time. We got that set up. We put stakes around the trees, and we tied the strings to the stakes to make sure the trees grew nice and tall. When those trees got strong enough, we took the stakes out and the trees now are, are nice and tall and they're going straight up. They're very healthy, they're very nice. We take good care of our trees because we planted them on purpose. We intended for there to be nice trees in the front yard. We take care of them on purpose. The old wild tree, we ignored it. I didn't care anything about it. It was a nasty wild tree. Eventually... Mistletoe got all over it, sucked the life right out of it, killed it. I called the county because it was technically on their property and said, hey, y'all got an ugly tree over here. Y'all need to come take care of this ugly tree. And it wasn't quite the way I handled it, but they did come. They took out the tree, got rid of it. But as I was thinking about those trees this morning, I, I, I realized there's a difference in the way we treated the trees 
in the front yard that we planted on purpose and the nasty old wild tree that just popped up somewhere. Blessed is the man who doesn't do things the way the world does them, but his delight is in the law of the Lord because he's like a tree that was planted in the front yard on purpose with a sprinkler system installed to take care of it. He's in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and God is bringing blessing. That's the kind of man I want to be. Firmly planted. I love when it says the streams. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. I would think it would only take one for a tree, but he's got more than one stream. I think it speaks to the, to the, 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 the abundance of supply that God brings to his people. When we live the lives that God intended for us, there's a never-ending supply of power and strength and joy and love. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 13. Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. We didn't plant the wild tree. Eventually it had to go. Every plant that's not of God will eventually go. I want to be one of the firmly planted trees by the streams of his abundant resources. And it is then that I will bear fruit for him fulfill my purpose, live a life that results in good things for others. In Jeremiah chapter 17, there's an interesting passage that ties these two ideas, firmly planted and deeply rooted. In 17, starting at verse 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in a man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited land. Those who put their faith in mankind are like shrubs in the desert. Now think about that, being a shrub in the desert. We'll talk about that in a second. Compare that, however. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's not trusting in mankind, he's trusting in God. He is like a tree, not a shrub, planted by water, not the desert, that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious for the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. See how Jeremiah compared the two? And when he compared the two, he said one is a, a shrub in the desert, the other is a tree by the river who has deep roots. You like westerns? Anybody, anybody watch westerns on TV? Yeah. Every Western you ever saw has this scene in it at least once. Every Western 
There comes a time in the story when the good guy and the bad guy meet in the street. It's high noon. There you go, thank you. <laughs> Bad guy, good guy. The children are running away. All the adults going, you see all the windows slam shut and the bar doors close. <whistles> it's time. There you go. <laughs> it's time. And just before they draw their guns, Something rolls through the street. What is it? Tumbleweed. Every Western has the tumbleweed. When you see the tumbleweed, you know it's been to get real. Now, where did that tumbleweed come from? You go home today and grow a tumbleweed. The tumbleweed was not grown to be a tumbleweed. The, the, the tumbleweed came up as a shrub. In the spring, it was green. It was a plant. What happened? It dried up. The wind came, and all it took was a little bit of sun and a little bit of wind, and that shrub became a tumbleweed. All it took was wind to blow it over. Why? Because it has no roots. How many of you like mesquite trees? You ever try to cut down a mesquite tree and get rid of it? Some of you know you cut down that tree, you go back a few weeks later and there it is again. You cut down the same tree and there it is again. You say, okay, I'm sick of this mesquite tree. I'm going to take care of this mesquite tree. I'm going to get down there and I'm going, to, I'm going to pull it all the way. I'm going to pull that whole thing out all the way down under the ground. And what you don't know is you just kind of broke some roots down in there and there's about a dozen roots still hanging out in the ground. You come back in a few weeks, you got a dozen new mesquite trees. Right? What's the difference between a tumbleweed and a mesquite tree? The mesquite tree's got roots. It's firmly planted, deeply rooted. And that's why it's so hard to blow it over, to get rid of it, to ruin it. To... And so Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17 compare the two. The answer is to be firmly planted and then grow deep roots. Don't settle for shallow, easy, simple, Sunday morning Christianity. That's not what you were called to. You're called to bear fruit. And the only way you're going to bear good fruit is to have a deep root. And so let's look at deeply rooted just a couple of minutes and we're done. Deeply rooted in Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 14. For this reason, I'm in Ephesians 3 at 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, Paul says, I'm praying for you and this is what I'm praying for. 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. Paul says, I'm praying for you that God would use all those heavenly resources, the riches of his glory, and that he would pull from all those heavenly resources and that he would use that to give you power and strength within. That you'll be strong. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm praying that God will take the heavenly resources and will plant within you those resources that will make you strong and will let you experience Christ alive in your heart. And the way that's going to happen is when you are deeply, deeply rooted in his love. And he says, I'm even praying that you will know the unknowable. Did you see in verse 19? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something you can't know. I want you to begin to to, to experience the mystery of the love of God. He says, I want you to experience how wide it is and how long it is and how high it is and how deep it is. He says that you'll know with the saints what the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ. That's amazing when we really think about God's love and we allow it to begin to, to, to expand our minds and our imaginations. We begin just to begin to see what it means to be loved by an almighty God. It's broad enough. His love is broad enough to cover everybody. His, broad, his love is long enough to go beyond any barriers. His love is high enough to take us all the way to glory. His love is deep enough to touch any need, any sin, any hurt. Somebody one time asked Louis Armstrong what jazz was. Could he explain what is jazz? And he said, man, if you've got to ask, you'll never know. And in a way... I think the same is true of the love of Christ. If you've got to ask, you'll never know. You've got to experience it. It can't be explained. The depth, the width, the height, the length. It, you, can't, you can't just put it into words. And so he says, I pray that you'll know what is beyond knowledge, what you can't explain. I want you to know the love of Christ because it is that love that enables us to be deeply rooted. It's not about who you are, it's about who he is, and his love is is that which we need to be deeply rooted. You've heard that he loves you, you know that. But when the reality of his love for you hits you, it'll change your life forever. When I was in third grade, I'd go to Miss Morgan, my teacher. 
And we were doing, I don't know, doing some kind of math or something. I'd say, Miss Morgan, I don't get it. She'd say, well, let it get you. <laughs> Third grader, I'm thinking, well, that's helpful, thanks. <laughs> but you know, that is my message for you this morning, and I think it's Paul's message for those guys back then. You cannot fully understand God's love. You can't get it, but let it get you. Let it overtake you. Let it fill you. Do not leave the pew on which you sit right now. Do not leave. Don't get up until you have experienced the fact that God loves you. He's not just putting up with you. It's not just a general humanity love. God loves you. And let that love change you.